Hey, good evening, everyone. Welcome to our weekly Dhamma talk. Saturdays, I try to talk about the Dhamma, something weekly for the meditators to to listen to, to focus their attention and hopefully for provide direction and inspiration for their practice. So I'd like to talk about mindfulness tonight. It's a topic, of course, that I talk about quite often. It's um, something that we should keep coming back again to thinking about, clarifying our understanding about. It's a word that apparently has gained some traction in popular culture. People talk now about mindfulness in a meditative sense. The word mindful, the word mindful, of course, means something like being considerate. That's how it used to be used before I got into meditation. That's how I thought to use it. You can be mindful of the time. Don't lose track of the time. You can be mindful of other people's feelings don't be oblivious that's a good word no it's a good good word for what we're talking about in buddhism don't be oblivious be mindful and so it comes to be a bit of a buzzword and I think there's some rightful criticism of the fact that it's perhaps used a little too use, uh, loosely we talk about being mindful be mindful be mindful and it feels like Sometimes we talk about it more than we actually do it. Because it's a general sort of buzzword you can use to say, well, be mindful of your thoughts, be mindful of breathing. It's easy to talk about. But the question is, how do you really be mindful? And what does it really mean to be mindful? The word sati, of course, that we translate as mindfulness, has similar problems. If if there are actually, if we're to actually call these problems, it has problems in the sense that it's used as well in a more general sense of having sati. It's interesting when you go to Buddhist countries where a lot of people don't have strong background in 
satipatthana practice. And they use the words, the word sati, sati is of course a, a word they use in Thai. When I was in Thailand, you hear, haimi sati, chai sati. No, haimi sati is what my teacher used to say. Chai sati is the general expression. Mot sati, that kind of thing. Use it in a general sense. Um, you see, you, you see it used in the sense of being able to remember things. It doesn't really actually mean mindfulness, because even though mindfulness is a good thing, mindfulness means to not lose track. To not uh, be oblivious doesn't exactly mean to not forget. But sati means to, uh, means to remember. So if you remember things that happened a long time ago, that means having sati. It's not quite mindfulness, but mindfulness speaks to the special usage of the word. When we use sati, to mean remembering the present moment, then it really does relate to mindfulness. Be mindful of what you're doing. Mind what you're doing. Mind your steps. Mind your mind your speech. Mind your manners. <laughs> mind your manners. Apply your mind to it. If you mind your manners, it means you have some fortitude of mind, that you're not just ignoring your manners. You're not just loose and um, free with your behavior. And so sati in a special sense, when we get right down to it, it has a very specific meaning. We have a, a definition that they give. Sati means, sati has the characteristic of not wavering. So sati means a certain fortitude of mind, a strength of mind. Sati involves the mind state that keeps the object in mind. Our ordinary state of mind is wavering. It's flit, fleeting, flitting here and there, flitting from object to object. We see something and We're very briefly actually seeing it. The, re the majority of our time is spent in reacting to it, judging it. When you watch your mind, perhaps for the first time, it's 
can be quite shocking to see how how random everything is, how random mental activity can be, jumping here and there, a mile a minute. If our thoughts were speech, we would just be, we would write a book in a matter of minutes. It wouldn't be the kind of book you'd want to read. So mindfulness is the ability to stabilize this this process so that seeing is just seeing. And when you're seeing, your mind is with the object. It's this strong state of mind that grasps the object well. It has the uh, the function. What's its function? Its function is to not forget. To not lose track of the object. We talk about forgetting yourself. In the world, when someone forgets themselves, maybe in the middle of a group of people and suddenly you say something, It's only suitable for when you're alone or, or only suitable in your mind. Like you'll be eating dinner at someone's house and you say, boy, this, this meal tastes awful. Oh, you forgot yourself. You shouldn't have said that in front of the people who cook the food. No, when you forget yourself, it means you you fly off the collar, you get angry and start shouting. You've forgotten yourself. Or they say it when a person is of a low station. Suppose you're a child and you start mouthing off to your parents. In some cultures, they would say you're forgetting yourself. In Western culture, we tend to uh, overlook the good that our parents have done for us and so on and so on. We're not that kind to them. I would say not as kind as we should be, not as respectful as we should be. Many of us anyway. Some are perhaps overly respectful because of it being drilled into them forcefully, which is also not great. Anyway, we talk about forgetting yourself in the sense that you should be like this, and you've totally forgot how you should be. It's not exactly what mindfulness, but it's along the same lines. Because the way we should be is objective. We should be aware of things as they are. We should be present and merely present, but we're not. Where not only are we not present, we're so much more than that. We are reacting and judging and forgetting ourselves. Mm. 
Mindfulness is not forgetting. Mindfulness is about constantly remembering, remembering the experience. This is the experience. This is remembering the essence. Dite dittamatang bhavisati. Let seeing just be seeing. Not forgetting that. Hey, this is seeing. Um, it manifests itself as as guarding. So the the way it the way it manifests. This means when a person is mindful. What is the key character? What is the key um, quality that you can see in them, or they can see in themselves when they're mindful? So, how can you tell if you're being mindful? How does it manifest itself? Manifests itself as guarding, meaning guarding the senses. Meaning, when you see things and you're just seeing, there's no reaction. When you feel like your senses are, are perfectly filtered so that you're just seeing, you're just hearing, you're just smelling. When you're guarded. When we talk about guarding the senses, we talk about guarding your, in a general sense, we talk about guarding your, what's the phrase that they use? Guard your thoughts, guard your emotions, that kind of thing. So there's ways of guarding yourself by suppressing, by, by brute force, where you just force yourself not to react externally. You might be seething inside, but I'm not going to say anything nasty. Or you might be chomping at the bit to get this or get that, but you hold yourself back and say, no, no, I will not get it. And we do this because we understand the consequences. You might repress your emotions out of a knowledge that the consequences are going to be far more troublesome than they're worth and and so you got to stop yourself but mindfulness is mindfulness is more successful the buddha said yani sotani lokasming sati niwarayang whatever streams the literal word is streams but it means things that will get you caught up in the world will get you in trouble whatever things there are that will get you uh, caught up in a stream sati tesang niwarayang sati stops them sati is what prevents that prevents you from getting caught up mindfulness is better it's better than repressing it's better than forcing yourself to behave pretending hiding who you really are taking drugs medication Sati is a better solution. It's not easy. It takes training. But it's far superior because mindfulness is like water. Mindfulness um, dissolves the, the problems. 
There's no contrivance. There's no artifice. There's just objectivity. There's just awareness, seeing things as they are. So it guards your senses in a way that guarding your being being wary and being afraid of your own emotions never will. Much better than being afraid, having to live in fear and being a slave to your emotions. It's far better than that. Or or it also has the manifestation of confronting. Another aspect of its manifestation is Confronting, visaya bhava, the state of confronting the, the, the experience. So our ordinary state is not able to confront. We react. We run away. If it's bad, we're constantly avoiding, finding ways to... Uh, to destroy or you know to to get rid of or to avoid to to escape and if it's positive we also aren't confronting we aren't with the experience right when when you get something that you want the last thing you do is stay with the experience you're immediately off in the oh this is wonderful and how how to get it more how to how you know either recursive thought about how you love it or recursive thought about how you can get it more or keep it or cling to it get closer to it stronger more satisfying sati confronts sati is about being with experience it's it's involving patience Patience is another good word in Buddhism. Patience is about sticking with good things and bad things, and rather than reacting to them, being with them. It's the ability to be present when something pleasant or unpleasant comes and not be upset by it, not be disturbed. That's what sati is. The last thing is the, the cause of sati. What is it that gives rise to sati? And it's another part of the definition, how you can know whether you're being mindful and how to be mindful. The cause of, the cause of mindfulness is something called tirasanya. Sanya is in this context means the perception of a thing so we're we're in some sense we're we're immediately mindful of everything when you see there's no question that you have an awareness of the seeing this is why it can be confusing as to what is different about being mindful you think well of course i when i see of course i i know i'm seeing san that sanya the knowledge that ah, this is seeing and what you're seeing and, and so on. But tira sanya, tira means strengthened or strong or firm. So there's a sense of strengthening, 
How do you create sati? By strengthening your perception. What that means is when you see, you strengthen it. You find a way to reinforce that the state of that just being seen. It's fine and good to say, let seeing be seeing and stop there. But how do you stop there? How do you reinforce that? That's the, that's the practice that leads to mindfulness, leads to sati. And that's why we use the mantra. That's why we have a word to repeat to ourselves. Why we say to ourselves, seeing, seeing. Why so much meditation is about repeating mantras? Because it reaffirms your perception that you're trying to focus on. If it's samatha meditation, it would be the perception of a specific thing. In vipassana meditation, it's the perception of your experience. When seeing, you say to yourself, seeing. When hearing, you'd say hearing. When pain, you'd say pain, pain. Kira sanya. This is really the practice that we teach, that we that we practice. It's the practice of strengthening our our experiences, strengthening our awareness of the experiences, reminding ourselves so that we don't forget, so we don't lose ourselves. Or its proximate cause is simply the four foundations of mindfulness. If you want to look at it from a practical perspective, it means practicing the four satipatthana. It's a different way of looking at it. Mindfulness of the body. When we watch the stomach and say to ourselves, rising, falling. Or when we walk and say, stepping right, stepping left. Mindfulness of the body. When you have pain, you say to yourself, pain, pain. That's mindfulness of the feelings. When you have thoughts and you say to yourself, thinking, thinking, good thoughts, bad thoughts, past, future, whatever thoughts, you say to yourself, thinking, thinking, that's mindfulness of the mind. Liking, disliking, drowsiness, distraction, doubt, when you say to yourself, liking, liking, or wanting, wanting. When you say disliking, disliking, or bored, sad, Afraid, depressed, frustrated. Just this reaffirmation, the practicing mindfulness. This is the this is what leads to the state of being mindful, the state of sati. Drowsy or tired, you say tired, tired. You're thinking a lot, and your mind is not focused, you say distracted or unfocused. When you're doubting or confused, you'd say doubting, doubting or confused, confused. That's the cause, that's how you become mindful. how you develop sati mindfulness should be regarded as a pillar mindfulness should be seen as this stake uh, stuck in the ground pillar pillars being strong pillars being 
a symbol of strength. Mindfulness is like a pillar because a pillar, the reason you have a pillar is to strengthen something. That's what pillars are for. They are unmoving. If you have a pillar that wobbles around, you don't have a pillar. If your pillar moves around and jumps here and there, it's not a pillar. If it wavers or falls over, not a very good pillar. No, a pillar is designed to be strong and firm and unmoving and supportive. Mindfulness should be as thin as a pillar. A pillar as opposed to a, a pumpkin, uh, a gourd. Uh, a gourd is something very light. Before they had, you know, this is in ancient times, of course, things that float on water, there's not a great number of natural things that float on water, like a gourd. Nowadays it would be something like a, a rubber duck or something like that. But uh, a gourd, is because it's hollow, of course, it floats on the water. And so when you put a gourd on the water, it's the, it's the epitome, it's a symbol of everything that a pillar is not. It flits here and there, it's buffeted by the winds, the slightest wave, and it's off and moving around here and there. Mindfulness is not. The ordinary mind is like that. The ordinary mind is like the gourd on the water. Mindfulness is the exact opposite. It's a pillar stuck in the bottom of the ocean. Uh, mindfulness is like a, a, a guard, a doorkeep. It guards the doors of the senses. It should be seen as, a, as the guard. Our mind has precious treasure. Our mind should be a place of precious treasure where we keep all sorts of good qualities like focus and wisdom. Suppose we start with this great treasure house and because we don't have very good guards set up, a lot of our treasure gets stolen. We maybe get some treasure, but yeah, we lose it. And we don't have a lot of treasure because it's not easy to keep treasure without guards. But if you want treasures like concentration and wisdom and love and compassion, patience, peace, happiness. You need a guard. Mindfulness is that guard. It guards the doors. Guards our senses to keep defilements from stealing our good qualities. That's mindfulness. Again, some of the, most of this, if you're an avid follower, some of you, I think, are here every week. A lot of this is familiar, but familiar is often good. What we're trying to do is not complicated. It's not complex. It's just difficult. It takes training and takes patience, perseverance. But that's the Dhamma for tonight. Thank you all for tuning in.